who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The following documents and recordings are the ninth installment in a compilation detailing the events of Graham Kazan's return to Svalbard, following the occurrences of Outpost Freestead and Base Camp Piedrum. Mr. Kazner was accompanied by fellow specialist Dracana Vukovic, archaeology professor Dr. Josefa Guerrero, and oceanographer Dr. Amelia Murray. Dr. Guerrero is now presumed dead, and Dr. Murray remains in the Alasan after having left the relative safety of the weather station and the remaining survivors. In the summer months, Arctic cyclones are the foremost type of hazardous weather present in areas across the northern Atlantic, northern Pacific, and North Seas. Capable of developing tumultuous sea conditions, impacting sea ice, dropping heavy precipitation, and resulting in avalanches, these Arctic cyclones can severely impact the lives of local populations. During these storms, travel is not advised. The White Vault previous recordings, Mr. Kasner and Ms. Vukovic left the cave containing the collected equipment and possessions of past vault victims and continued down into the cavernous maze beneath the anatomical theatre and stone village. While navigating slowly through the caves, they consulted video files from Jonas Thorison and Dr. Rosa de la Torre's time in the cave system. For approximately 27 minutes, Mr. Kasner and Ms. Vukovic continued through the caves, at times looping back to a previous location and taking a systematic approach to their examination of each cavern. This first relevant section comes from Ms. Vukovic's body camera at the time when they approached the familiar cavern containing the lamprey pool. Stop. Oh, 
This is the pool where you died. I'm alive. Well, it's where they lost you. If I hadn't been taken, I might have gotten her out of here. Just her? Not him? I saw the recordings. Jonas was never going to live, but Rosa could have. She had a chance to get out. Just like you had? Like you have right now? I remember a far less judgmental Dragana, who used to revel in the stupid shit we got into. I remember when the stupid shit used to be bar fights with rowdy Australians, or blind cliff diving. Not a cult bullshit. If you want less judgment, we go for drinks. But if you want help with this, it comes with some requirements. The sarcastic judgment? Oh, yes, Tersthayaste. Why have we stopped here? I'm considering dropping a stick of dynamite. We're not carrying dynamite. Any kind of explosive. I don't think I killed it. So it's still down there. They're everywhere. And if you blow this place up... While, I will add, we're still down here, and that is a vastly dumb idea, far beyond the idiot I know you to be, but if you do this, they'll know exactly where we are. They already know where we are. They're just waiting, and there is no need for them to search for us. We're walking to their front door. Why go looking for your meal when it's walking its way onto your dinner plate? Are you ready to move on? This way. The pair continued through the case for an additional nine minutes. During this time, they passed into several small caverns and rooms. While they did not discuss most of what they saw, they at times stopped to examine where they were. Three minutes into their search, Kasna led them down a narrow natural stone cave, only large enough to pass through sideways. Along the walls, illuminated by chemical lights, were long claw marks not dissimilar to those originally seen on the bunker. Here, the claw marks were everywhere, on the walls and the ceilings, as far as the camera captured. At the end of the hall, Kasna stopped before a set of roughly carved stairs leading further down into the earth and the dark. As this was not the direction they needed to go, they decided to turn around, but only after they had thrown a snapped chemical light down into the stairwell. Eventually the lights landed, only to continue rolling down and away, out of sight. After returning from the top of the descent, the pair approached a familiar looking area of the cave, and in an alcove stood a tall bare statue, bent and warped to fit the tall elongated, yet narrow, shape of the available alcove. Just beyond this point, Mr. Kasner and Ms. Vukovic reached the upper and lower split in the cavern through which Mr. Thorison and Dr. Delatore had passed. This is a continuation of the recording from Ms. Vukovic's body camera. This is it. We won't fit through either of those with backs or jackets on. We'll have to be pushed ahead. Battery packs on these cameras are heavy as shit. Felt like a like having a brick on my chest. Uh, this is where they made 
their mistake. If they had gone the right way the first time, she might have gotten free. They didn't know. Okay. We take the top one to the glowing room. I do. You take the bottom tunnel and leave. It should bring you back to the main cave entrance and back up to the auxiliary... No. No? No. This is your last chance to get out. Dragana, oh! you need to go the other way. This is it. You leave. No. No? Good. Now that we cleared that up, let's go. Dragana. You're not good at speeches, so don't try. I won't listen and it's not worth the time. So I said no, and I'm going with you. Now, if you pull me out of the crawl space again, without legitimate reason, I'll tell your daughter about what happened in Bucharest. Good? Good. Let's go. Any idea how far? They crawled for over ten minutes in the video. Bože, jebika! Nešto sam to da čujem. Mrzim desna mesta. Here, a long period of crawling can be heard. Both of the body cameras had been removed for ease of motion and were attached to the pack for transport. As the pack was pushed ahead of Ms. Vukovic, discerning any important speech or sounds became more difficult as the cameras became fully wedged under the gear. The video is completely useless, with only short bursts of light when the pack shifted slightly. The following is from the same recording approximately 10 minutes later. The pack having rolled over while being pushed, began to pick up partially audible recordings. Grail, put your light away. Do you see a light? I must certainly do. We're close. Body cameras remained secure to the pack, but from where Mr. Kasner had attached his on the shoulder, the room was visible after Ms. Vukovic picked the pack back up. When the pair dropped in at the far end of the room, the glyphs in the antechamber were glowing intensely white. Running the length of the room, not present during Dr. Delatore and Mr. Thorison's time in the antechamber, stood two rows of statues, all facing the central walkway leading to the carved outline of a tall double door at the opposite end. In the middle of the walkway, appearing to wait patiently for their arrival, stood Dr. Delatore. They're all here. Hello. We are very glad to see you. It means so much to us, and to so many, that you have come. What? What, what 
exactly is this place? This room is commonly referred to as the antechamber. Do you see her? Yes, but she sounds wrong to me. How? Like her voice is on the TV or over the radio. I know you're not Rosa. I saw Rosa's body in Patagonia and what you did to her. Yes, we know. We do not believe we are fooling you. Not anymore. We believe we understand why these mistakes are made. We hope this gift will, in some way, make amends for our mistakes and ease your loss. Please. Stay here. What is it? It's a stone box. Fuck. I think it's your sever. It's not sealed. It's hers. It has to be. We will add it to the altar. We now understand that mistakes were made. We apologize for not presenting you with the remains of this one. This one? Rosa, you're saying you think the problem is that you didn't give me her heart in a box? But don't worry, I already got her goddamn teeth. Calm down. Rosa's already gone. Dragana, get the gear out of the bag while I... Talk. Okay. Where did they go? What is all this for? Will this help you to know to come with us? We keep the resting docile and fed. Through our works and your giving, the resting continues. We continue and prosper. If we do not, you would all be no more, and we would tire to find another. What is it? What's resting? In the vault, they are sustained. We cannot let them hatch. Now come with us, and do not worry. We will do the same for the other. When we take you, we will present your remains to the other. What? No! No! I don't want a box with Graham's teeth and heart! No one wants that! And you don't need to kill him! We do. And it will ease your loss. Now, Graham, Kastner, come. This struggle does not need continue. We have spoken. Great good will come of this. Good men do not go gentle into that good night, bitch. Bitch! Now! Donna, please!
In the available video of the confrontation, Ms. Vukovic threw a shotgun and unidentified explosive container to Kasna before shooting several shotgun rounds at the Guardian in the form of Dr. Dallatore. Immediately following her attack, it rushed Vukovic and cut into her chest, though these wounds were not deep enough to cause internal harm. Due to the impact, Ms. Vukovic was thrown back against the far wall of the antechamber, near the tunnel they had entered through. A brief change in the lighting indicated that Kasna ignited some part or primer for the explosives in some way, though the camera did not catch this directly as the lens cracked upon Vukovic's impact with the cave wall. A bright light then slowly grew over the smashed camera. Then, in the middle of a heavy and audible struggle, the light disappeared with the slamming of stone. The glowing glyphs remained, but even those began to fade as Ms. Vukovic remained in the antechamber, alone. The Guardian in the form of Dr. Rosa della Torre and the statues were no longer present, and Graham Kasner was gone. Shortly before these events, standing near the shore in Iyalasan, Dr. Amelia Murray confronted a lone Guardian. She stood in full view of the creature as it had approached her. It stopped a meter or so away and calmly waited. Its torso came into view, revealing the crudely handmade necklace and the elongated abdomen still recognizably humanoid, but lengthened and grooved with the indicators of far too many ribs. Dr. Murray's camera shifted downward as she removed her pack to slowly retrieve an item. During the shift, the long, slick legs came into view, bony and thin, turned down into the curve of clawed talons and thin, gnarled toes, which appeared more similar in appearance to taut, aged fingers. If it had been human before, it was clearly not so now. When Dr. Murray finally retrieved an object from her bag, she slowly stood and held it out before herself and the camera, presenting it before the Guardian. It was an artifact, similar to Svetha, but individual in its own design and depiction. This is a complete recording from the encounter. I was given this. I was told you would not hurt me. This is my totem. It shows you I'm not here to harm you. So I was told. Is it a joke? Dangerous. Why was I given this then? To spy. To kill you. 
will not. But the company gave this to me. They know I'm here to help them too, to study you. But they, they wanted to kill me. The old place. I was supposed to give this to someone else. A man, Graham Kasner. Do you know who I'm talking about? What are you? Firmeder. One of many. And Kasner? What of him? He left for somewhere else. Take Kasner. I didn't get to put the artifact on him. Did I make a mistake? Not needed. Not now. If this artifact is meant to hurt people, and they sent it here with me, they intended to harm me. Or did they know I was safe? My son. Why me? What are you? I saw what you can do to people. The people here in the Alessand, I saw more. I saw what you did to Franco. So why not kill me? Do you want to change me too? Tell me! Um, the Walt Special One. No name. 
Remove the old ways, fear. Remove the danger from yours. Mine? My son? I don't understand. You need to... to explain this better. What about my son? I'll go. It will protect me. My kid. What? Leave it. Dr. Amelia Murray placed down her shotgun, flare gun, pack and body camera in the centre of the road. Before removing the body camera and setting it next to the pile, she set down the artefact atop the pack. Dissimilar to how it appeared just moments earlier, the artefact was broken down the spine, following a line of carved bones in a ragged crack. The body camera was then removed and placed down, the lens aimed at the sky. Dr. Murray was not captured walking away with the Guardian. This was the last known recording of Seizure Group oceanographer Dr. Amelia Murray. The following recording returns to the events within the caves beneath the ice. This audio comes from the broken camera of Drakana Vukovic. It begins 34 minutes after the previous recording, as it appears Miss Vukovic had fallen unconscious for this time. Graham, are you here? Sranje. Vukovic continued to crawl from the antechamber for approximately 11 minutes, pushing the supply pack ahead of her through the small cave until she reached the split. Then taking the lower path, she continued to crawl. This is where her camera broke completely and was no longer able to record. The lower path, being narrower than the upper path to the antechamber, required her to shove the pack with great force, 
breaking one side of her camera. Thankfully, the stored data was salvageable. The following recording comes from the body camera that had once belonged to Graham Kasner. It was also attached to the pack at this time, and still capable of recording audio. After over half an hour of darkness, only briefly and sporadically illuminated by chemical lights, Miss Vukovic reached a recognisable and more sizeable cave, directly connected to the auxiliary bunker. She followed the cave back, through the transition from natural to man-made, and back up to the surface. After reaching outpost Freestead, having encountered neither statues nor guardians, she started a snowmobile and returned to Nialasund. The following recording begins as Miss Vukovic climbed the ladder on the exterior of the weather station and approached the top hatch. I'm it. The others. I'm it. It's you. We might just get out of this. Get everyone together and unbarricade the front door. We'll head to the helicopter as soon as you're all prepared. This is a lot of blood. Are you sure you're okay to fly? Uh, The water from the ice makes it look like more than it is. I'll be more concerned once we make it back to Longyearbyen. Then I'll take a nice, long nap in a cozy hospital bed. Don't just stand there. Get them ready. Right. We were worried you would not make it back. Lucky for you, I did. Not so lucky for you. Josefa. Graham. But he'd understand waiting to mourn until later. How's Amelia? Gone. The monsters came. Looked like Yosefa, and they only wanted her. She walked out to them and walked away into the white. It didn't look like they wanted to hurt her at all. Any idea why? No, not at all. Graham didn't like her, though. He's always right. But she wasn't attacked. Clean your head down and toward the light. I'll rinse the blood out and check the wound. Though it looks like the bleeding stopped a while ago. Thanks. Everyone is ready to go. They're by the front door. Where did Amelia head to? The shore. We gave her a flare, and we told her to look for ours if we reached the helicopter, if she's still alive. Fine. Wait a moment. Let me finish with this before we go. You took a heavy hit. Can you fly? Yes. Can you? (sighs) Okay. 
We can go. But you need to see a doctor when we get out of this place. I'll tell the others. Okay. Everyone follows me. Keep up and don't make too much noise. We are going to take a longer way to the helipad. But don't break from the group. The recording stops there. When retrieved, the body camera was without power. Drakana Vukovic was the only survivor of the team that returned to the Svalbard site. Her path from the weather station to the helipad diverted near to the shore, where she collected the body camera pack and artifact of Dr. Amelia Murray. Her emergency helicopter flight from Nialosan landed in Longyearbyen in the bright light of the late evening hours, where the survivors Dr. Carter Duan, Nadine Tuling, Lisa Ma, Laurie Warner and Paul Green were met by worried friends, families, research teams and medical crews. Many of those friends and families who approached the landing zone came in search of loved ones who would never arrive. In the coming hours, the storm over Nialasan faded completely. Radio signals began to miraculously transmit again, and most importantly, teams from every research station and medical unit across Svalbard sent aid to the small town, hoping to rescue others and bring them to much-needed aid in Longyearbyen. Others were found. Two dozen additional survivors, emaciated and filthy, were found waiting in dark rooms repeating line after line of a strange chant. They were taken to Longyearbyen for evaluation and eventually flown to Oslo for further aid, hospitalisation and repatriation. Reports on the Lialasand incident were already facing difficulties. Those survivors brought back by Ms. Vukovic faced a lack of credibility when describing the actions of monsters. Their statements were only weakened further by the recovery of so many further survivors, who were deemed the sufferers of a mass hysteria. In the coming days, as teams came and went from Nialasund, the narrative formed around a freak storm and unusual collective of hungry polar bears seeking washed-up whale carcasses. Corpses were cleaned, and the remains returned to their loved ones and homes. Many bodies were never found. After all the documents and records were collected, they were sent to the address I provided. There, another note was found, written by Dr. Josefa Guerrero for her husband. No me importa si lees esto, pero por favor asegúrate de que llegue mi esposo. I don't care if you read this, but please be sure it reaches my husband. My Mateo, husband, though we didn't make our love work, it's still there. I love you. Above all else, there is purpose and happiness left to be found in life. I have found a purpose. Please, find the happiness. Yours until the world stops turning. Josefa. The note, along with several other personal items, were returned to Dr. Mateo Guerrero. This concludes the final collected records from the events surrounding the 2010 resurgence of the Svalbard and Patagonian vaults, the survivors of the attack on the Alasund, and the life of Graham Kasner. This concludes the files. 
Do with them what you will.